Okay, we're reading from Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25 and on to verse 37. The parable of the Good Samaritan. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and bait him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Thanks, Dagmar. I'd just like to welcome Pastor Lorenz Nell. Uh, who's going to be bringing God's word to us as well too. He's come from uh, Lang Warren today. So just looking forward to what um, the Lord has to speak through you. Thanks, Lorenz. Good morning. Privilege to be with you. And greetings. There you go. Greetings from Lang Warren. Our text verse, verse 36 which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the topic, the neighbor nobody wants. The neighbor nobody wants. Beloved to our Lord Jesus Christ, and now you're all awake. The question about who your neighbor is becomes very actual in our time because the faces of our neighbors are changing. My direct neighbors are two British families who love their rugby union and sport. And that's my kind of people being South African. But next to me, 
lives a very noisy young Australian couple who love to party. A few weeks ago, Australia marked a historic milestone. The population's clock hit 25 million, having doubled since 1970. And it's not because Australians are obedient to the Lord's command to fill the earth. We're a bit laid back there as well. But in fact, it's more likely that a 25, 25 millionth Aussie was an overseas migrant. That's why I don't live in a city. Everything is changing. Our city's appearance, our traveling time, our food, our communication. This can be challenging. It can be frightening for some. But it's a wonderful opportunity to bring the gospel. But first, we need to change. I want to tell you about two experiences I recently had. I'm certain... Pull away. <laughs> okay. I'm certain... Is it better? Good. And I'm certain that you had a few as well. If you know Langwarren, close to Langwarren's Gateway Centre. And I filled up my car at Gateway Centre. And the tenant, so it seemed, was a Pakistani. I was friendly with him. I asked him about his day, his working hours, and so forth. Something strange happened. He thanked me for being friendly to him. And he told me that I was the first day, person that day that was friendly with him. Normally experienced a lot of abuse. This saddened me. The second experience, not long after that, is that Foxtel sent me new equipment, as mine was outdated. It's a new IQ3 box. There's now IQ4, with many functions. And it arrived with a self-installation kit. It was easy to install. But then my problem started. You had to call Foxtel to activate the box. And the lady that helped me was, so it sounded, a new immigrant. I could not understand a word. I asked to repeat a couple of times. That make her even more incomprehensible. What could I do? I could get very frustrated and ask for someone else. But what would the consequences for the lady be? And I also remembered my own situation. I came here from South Africa about seven years ago. And no one could understand me. Maybe you still can't. It benefited me seven years ago, in one sense, greatly. Because I can still preach those sermons. No one would know it in Lang Warren. But I also remember my insecurity, my frustration. And remembering that time, 
of my life. In my conversation with the lady, I really tried hard to listen, was polite, and something changed. I could understand her, followed her instructions, and she was quite competent. Did her English improve? Not likely, but I changed. And can this change the way we see our neighbor? The great writer C.S. Lewis said, Prayer doesn't change, change God. It changes me. And we can say that about love to your neighbor as well. God's command and His law, maybe love won't change my neighbor. But it certainly will change me. And Jesus illustrated this with the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 verse 25 to 28. A lawyer stood up to him and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. There are a few things that we need to understand here. The greatest is the misunderstanding to who my neighbor is. For the Jews, it was the fellow Jew. They despised any nation, any other nation, and the notion that they could be saved. And this was an old debate. And if they applied the scriptures correctly, they would also remember Jonah and his unwillingness to preach to the people of Nineveh. Jonah said no to the Lord's call. And he tried to flee from the Lord. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians, a wealthy city with a large population who had plundered the world. And they were Israel's arch enemies. And Jonah knew that God is merciful. He feared that Nineveh can repent and that they could be saved. And as the son of the chosen people, he could not allow that. The even nations were not worthy of God's grace, he argued. God's grace was destined for Israel alone. And Jonah forgot that Israel should be as a light unto the nations, and that they should declare through their life that the Lord of hosts is the true living God. And we all know Jonah's history. How the Lord saved him from himself through a fish. And in the end, he preached God's redemption to Nineveh. And the city was saved. But there's something deeper to see. We also read 
that this lawyer wanted to test Jesus. He wanted to challenge Jesus to a theological debate. He started with a question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus sees everything. He knew his motives, his heart, and asked him in return, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered correctly. But this is where his sin was exposed. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. His sin was not his knowledge, but a fact that he tried to justify himself. He wanted to restrict the meaning of the neighbor to Israel, his own people, those who look like him. And he had the same sin as Jonah. But unlike Jonah, he did not repent. And he rather challenged Jesus to a debate. And who is my neighbor? It's so comfortable to narrow this command down. To love my neighbor to my own people, to those who look like me, those who are my mates, those who talk like me. And you can even form churches based on that. And try to justify that. You can even have little cliques and form friendships only with them. But will you be obedient to God's command to love your neighbor? And if we are debating this command of who my neighbor is and even live that, we will not open our hearts, our houses, and be true to the Great Commission. And this was the lawyer's sin. And sometimes it's ours as well. We as the Christian Reformed Churches of Australia realized that. And we decided to include all Australians by including the word Christian. And since 2000, the CRCA has renewed its commitment to, a, to be a church that's reforming to the lost and making and growing disciples. But because of the sinfulness of our hearts, it's so easy to still debate this issue. To put your focus on different aspects of the gospel and God's word. Focus on cultural differences. But then you will lose the opportunity to make disciples of all nations, Jesus' command. You can focus on, they are not like us, and you will be comfortable for a generation or two, but you will not experience true growth, spiritually and numerically. And Jesus gave an answer to the lawyer on who your neighbor is, and he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus made clear in this parable who the neighbor of the victim was. The priest 
And then the Levite, both passed by on the other side. But then came the Samaritan, and he used his own wine and oil, treated his wounds, brought him on his donkey to an inn, and paid all expenses, and even offers to stop by on his return, in case he hasn't paid enough. It was not as we would have imagined. It was not his own people, the Levites. Who understand, those people who were supposed to understand God's mercy, as they were sanctified to work in the temple, as gatekeepers, soldiers, musicians, born into that service. His own church leaders did not help. The priest was chosen concerning the sacrifices. But a Samaritan, a person who the Jews despised, and certainly have not seen as their neighbors. The Jewish people despised the Samaritans because they were pagan people of a mixed race. And likewise, the Samaritans hated the Jewish people with an equal level of contempt. And then Jesus asked the lawyer, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he answered, the one who showed him mercy. It's an important word there, proved. And Jesus used this word so that a man could see his sin. This is what the law always does. The law is a mirror that shows us our sin, our iniquities, our misery. It also shows us our hate towards God and our neighbor, but it also directs us to Christ. These are explained in Lord's Day 2 of the Heidelberg Catechism, if you want to read it. Your inclination to hate God and your neighbor. But Jesus himself did not only teach this command, he lived that. Jesus became for us the neighbor that nobody wanted. So that we can love our neighbor as ourselves even if we are the neighbor nobody wants. And as Christians, following in the footsteps of Jesus, where we are obedient to God's word, we are becoming increasingly more the conservative neighbor that's not popular in this world. Because you oppose Human freedom, they say. But we give more. The freedom in our Lord Jesus Christ. The freedom to be saved from our sin. In Isaiah 53, we read about Jesus. Jesus was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus is proof of God's love. 
Himself was the living proof of God's love for us. God who loved us so much, who showed us so much mercy that He gave His only Son. And His Son became the one who was hated. So that He could carry all His hate on the cross. This is how God loved us. For His Son. Without any conditions, and through Jesus He showed grace to us, He was despised and rejected, so that we could be welcome in the Father's house. And in Jesus we were made new. Our wounds were healed. Isaiah 53 verse 5, The same as the poor victim in a parable Jesus told, Jesus fulfilled all the tasks of the example of the Samaritan He used through his wounds, our wounds were healed. In his blood, we were sanctified. Then a bit of doctrine. In his book, Union with Christ, Todd Billings, built on Calvin's teaching on a double grace of justification and sanctification. This means that when we are made new in Jesus Christ, we receive forgiveness of sins, Christ's righteousness, where we are saved from God's wrath. And we also receive new life. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and we are saved to fellowship with God and with others. This is a radical truth. Christ, we are giving, we were given a new standing before God, justification, right with God. And we are propelled in love of God and others by the new power of His Spirit in us, sanctified for good works. This will affect the way we see people around us. It's not because they've become something different but because we have. And because this love of Jesus is worked in me through the Holy Spirit, where I can love my neighbor unconditionally with the honor of God always in my mind, where the emphasis is love. And in this love, we become free of hatred, prejudice, and retaliation. This love makes you free. Does not set conditions, 1 Corinthians 13. But it loves unconditionally as Jesus did. And I will be free to experience love to God and my neighbor in the peace of God in our Lord Jesus. And I will be free to love my neighbor in the love of Jesus. How can we be practical? I have a few suggestions. Pray for your neighbor. Always start with prayer. Love them. Jesus said to the lawyer, you go and do likewise. It means that maybe we should stop debating on how we can love one another. On how we can disciple. But start showing Love to my neighbor. To that one, you would 
not normally talk to. And the one you can minister to through kind love and deeds and trust that God can change them as well. Because God can do miracles. He changed me. Maybe you are not the best word missionary, but you can be the best deed missionary. You can show love through what you do the best and what the Lord has blessed you in. Be the best deed missionary. Maybe you should invite that person you would not normally invite to your house. Build a relationship. Not because of me, but because of him or her. Let us not be so harsh of we will allow in our homes, our lives, our country. But trust God to make a difference in this lovely country of the South. As he did with me. Maybe we should just say, as we sometimes sing, Here I am, Lord. Use me. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that you were so clear what Jesus became for us. He became the neighbor, neighbor that nobody wanted, so that we can be right with you that we were justified through His blood on the cross. And that we now can see one another through the eyes of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for your church here. One hope. To give hope. To change people through the way we were changed. And we ask you, Lord, be with us, bless us, comfort us in all our sorrows and pain, but also strengthen us in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in His name we pray. And we all say, Amen. I'm going to invite you guys to stand and we're going to sing um, this song. It's, it's relatively new that we've been singing and it just says, turn my eyes. It talks about tuning our hearts, teaching our hearts. And I think in light of that message that we would actually pray this song. We would actually ask God, teach us. Get, us out, get our hearts in tune with yours that we may love, not just God, but also our neighbours around us. And turn my eyes to see you, Jesus, in all your glory. Turn my eyes to my heart 
to sing in wonder of how you love me to my heart. Oh, my God, forever you reign here and now. Hear the sound of your name, Jesus. There is none more beautiful than Jesus. There is none more powerful. The risen Christ lifted high. Jesus, now be glorified. Center my life on your name center my life on your name turn my eyes away from searching for lesser glory 